So I'll stand and sing our song of praise, God of Wonders. Lord of heaven and earth, Lord of heaven and earth, Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and sky. And I go. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy. if you will, but we're glad you're here, and we welcome each one one here, and those that are guests visiting with us as well, we're glad you're present and trust that you feel at home with us, and part of us anyway. Those who are tuning in, we welcome each and every one as well, uh, tuning in in different places. Uh, It it, it helps us as you tune in to kind of share some comments. So those who are listening now, if you could share some live comments, it lets us know who you are and where you're coming from, that sort of thing. We like to kind of kind of uh, know who we are uh, ministering to and celebrating with as an entire church body all over the country. So, uh, but we're, we're thankful for each and every one uh, who is present in our worship service, whether you're at home or whether you're in house. Of course, in house, we try to take all the safety precautions as well and, uh, and trust that everybody feels comfortable. All right. But, uh, well, God bless you today. Let's have prayer as we begin, as we Uh, focus on the Lord. Father, we thank you that you give us opportunity uh, to be together as a body in Christ, to come from many different walks and traditions, and to be able to come together focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ, realizing that that he he is our Lord, who is what brings us together, realizing that he is the cornerstone of all that we do. And we thank you for your love. We thank you for your care and provision, and we thank you for your spirit at large that works in the inward crevices of our life, uh, that improves who we are, that brings out the best, that brings out the the new nature and changing that within us so that we're able to serve you better each and every day. Father, forgive us where we do fail you. Uh, Forgive us where our minds are, are, are focused on other things than you. 
to help us to, to know that in that freedom of life and love and forgiveness that we, we, we regain that focus and we focus upon the success that you've given us uh, uh, to live for you, to honor you. And Lord, we realize that in our time of worship, whether we're uh, in this very place or we're comfortable at home, that we become steel on the inside, cutting off those distractions that, that seem to be bidden for our time and attention so that we focus upon your goodness and your grace. We want to lift you up amongst all things, realizing this worship time together um, is about you and it's about who you are and it's about your, you being Lord and you being King. And we just want to say we love you, we thank you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Finding myself at a loss for words, and the funny thing is, it's okay. The last thing I need. To be heard, but to hear what you would say, a word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, watching my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know you're in this place. Please let me stay at rest. In your holiness, the word of God speaks. Finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise, all that I need. Is to be with you and in the quiet to hear your voice, the word of God speak. Would you pour down like rain, watching my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place? Please let me stay at rest in your home. Today I want to bring a message to you that's entitled Spiritual Success. And from the onset, when we talk about spiritual success for your life and mine, it has something to do, obviously, with the holiness of God. It has all to do with that. But it also has something to do about the holiness that is transferred within us because of that which lives within us. And so think of the holiness in, in the concept of the gift that God gives us in the way we serve him and live for him. Now, when I mentioned about born-again believers being holy, you cannot in no way compare that holiness to the holiness of God because I myself may be considered a holy person. You may be considered a holy person because of our identification as a born-again believer. But to say that my holiness and your holiness matches the holiness of God 
is hard to even wrap in our, around our brain uh, to put that in concept. But yet at the same time, our identification is with the holiness of God that is given to us as a gift because of that identification. All right, let's look at a passage of Scripture in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and it says this, So rid yourselves of all wickedness, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Now, you know, that could be a sermon in itself, couldn't it? Because we all fit into those categories. We've all been guilty of all those things in our life. Hopefully, they're not a foothold in our life. And verse 2 makes that change of why Peter mentions to rid ourselves of those unwholesome things. In verse 2, like newborn infants, desire the undulterated spiritual milk so that you may grow by it in your salvation, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Coming to him, a living stone, rejected by men but chosen and valuable to God, you yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Look, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and valuable cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone. And then in verse 8, a stone that causes men to stumble, a rock that trips them up. And it goes on to give reasons why they stumble. Verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So now you look at the context of that scripture and you put it in focus the whole focus of the scripture really is not about us, even though we are to rid ourselves of those things. And we are to take a hold of that which is, has the most nutrients spiritually, the undulterated milk. But it's still the focus is the cornerstone, the living stone, singular, so that we become the living stones, plural. And so, here in this, this message, it's all about what is it going to take to accomplish spiritual success in your life and mine? And the ultimate question that we're going to try to answer in this message is how is spiritual success achieved? Now, I know we could spend a lot of time and probably come up with some great answers that would help us to put some very practical means and, and application into our life that would help us in spiritual success. We could gain a lot of insight from those who could, could share what it takes in your life to be spiritually successful. But looking in the context of this passage of Scripture, it gives us some answers to how you and I can achieve spiritual success based on what Peter is talking, to, talking about to the believers who are listening. And today, we are those believers that are still listening. And so first of all, let me mention to you the diet of a holy people. The diet of a holy people. Now, years ago, there was a poster up that, that gave a few little uh, ideas that I think we can all identify with. And did you realize that the, the home run king, Babe Ruth, who's still revered in, in the baseball world today, that Babe Ruth being a home run king was also at the same time the strikeout king in baseball. Did you realize that? Thomas Edison. 
designed f over 500 light bulbs before he got one to work. Henry Ford, the first car, he forgot to put reverse in the vehicle. <laughs> William Jennings Bryant invited a landlocked country of Switzerland to a naval convention. Now think for a moment. You know, no matter who we are, we all make mistakes. Yet, as you realize that the real difference between a successful life and a failed life is not the ability of the person. Because if it was, then we all fail. It is the desire within the person. Maybe you've heard the old statement that it's not the size of the dog in the fight that matters, but it's the size of the fight in the dog. And it has something to do with that desire and design that is within us. And so looking at this spiritual success that Peter is speaking about, he's talking about a diet. Peter starts his definition of the successful Christian life by looking at our diet. He points out foods removing from our diet, figuratively speaking, and those foods that he mentions are the wickedness, the deceit, the hypocrisy, the envy, the slander. We know those, those are the junk foods, okay? And yet he mentions that you and I instead are to take on something a whole lot better, the adulterated or the pure spiritual milk. I know many of us have tried diets through the years. You know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you realize, oops, I've had too much good food that adds to the waistline or the stomach or wherever, and you, you go on a diet. You know, the Atkins diet or the South Beach diet. You got, you know, all sorts of ads with Weight Watchers. You got the, the nutritional diets, all this, but all attempts to remove, many of them to remove the carbohydrates out of your diet and those carbs that become bad. Peter's diet there is a list of what we are not to partake in. So we'll consider them the, the carbs spiritually that we need to get rid of. Now we can spend a great deal of time discussing each one of these and why Peter urges us to rid us of those things, but yet I want us to focus on the opposite. I want us to focus on not the don'ts, but the do's. And what it takes for you and I to be that successful person based on the true diet that you and I are to have spiritually. There was a Christian comedian that once said, as he looked through the Bible, and he said this about the, do, the don'ts of the Bible. He said, before he was saved, he focused on all of the don'ts. That the Bible says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. But after he was saved, he realized that it was all about the do's. His philosophy was, if we focus on the do's, we won't have time to focus on the don'ts. Rather than focusing on what we are not to do, let's focus on what we are to do. So we are to have a diet of pure spiritual milk. Peter uses two terms to describe this milk. He uses the term unadulterated, and then he uses the term pure. Now, when you go to the grocery store, I... Now that we have grandchildren, we're having to select certain types of milk again. And I had no idea how much milk that you can choose from. It's like going to Lowe's trying to pick a light bulb out. You know, you got 15 different bulbs to choose from now. And, you know, you got that, that pasteurized milk, the homogenized milk. You got slim milk. You got whole milk. You got 2% milk. You got... Almond milk, you, soy milk, it just goes on and on. Well, T, Peter's talking about the milk straight from the udder. Nothing has been added to it. Nothing has been taken away, and it has not been altered. So the diet for the Christian is an unaltered, pure, spiritual milk. And yet, the second word he uses for milk is associated much like 
uh, a baby's diet. You know, the doctors now, when the child turns a year, they're to wean off of what other sources of milk they've been used to to move towards whole milk. Why? Because the bones and the teeth are starting to grow. They need the, they need the calcium. They need all of the, to help them with their immunities to combat the colds and the common colds that children have to go through and etc. Milk helps with the proper balance. The vitamins spiritually and the immunity spiritually. And this is it. Focus on the do's, right? If you and I take on the pure, undulterated spiritual milk that we're going to explain in just a moment into our life, then as a result, something will be grafted within us that will give us the proper vitamins and will help us to become immune to the other junk food of our life, the carbs, the bad stuff, so that we can stay healthy spiritually and be successful unto God who is the caption of all holiness. So what is this milk that Peter says we should be drinking? A few verses back in chapter 1, verse 25, you know, it mentions, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you as the gospel to you. Peter urges us to drink from the pure, nutritionist word of God. Nothing else. In his book, The Habits of the Highly Effective uh, Churches, George Barner argues that growing an effective church must have an intentional, systematic, biblical, educational process. That's a, that's a long term. But basically, he's saying we should be focused upon educating ourselves in the Word of God. That comes corporately, and individually. If, if you are frustrated in your life right now, now listen to me, if you are frustrated in your life and you're missing something and something has gone awry, let me ask you this. Has it something to do with you getting out of the Word of God and putting it off to the side? Now that's not a judgment question. That's a question of thought. It's a question of evaluation to ask yourself and I ask myself, what am I feeding upon that's causing this frustration or this anger or this problem or this trial that's come into my life or is causing me a sense of non-belonging or causing me a sense that, that I, don't, I don't match up any, any longer in my life? Could it be that we've, we've, we're still drinking some milk but we've gone to 2% when we should stay with the whole. That we should stay with the pure, unadulterated, unaltered milk of spiritually that God gives us in His Word. This means that, you know, when you think about uh, the churches today, you know, you see all sorts of advertisements. You can follow the media. You can follow statistics and all those sorts of things. And it's sad to know that probably... 90% of the Christians today do not really have a true understanding of why the Word of God has, should have presence in our life. When that begins to wane, then something happens inside of us. And we're more immune to taking on the carbs, the bad junk food of our life, instead of focusing on the true, pure diet of our life. The spiritual picture is to be a people who is spiritually nourished, who is spiritually feasting upon the rich, pure milk of God's Word. Another question to think about, and this hits home for me, how much time do you spend reading God's Word versus watching television. Yee. I don't know about you, but one of the first things Renee and I do, even if we're not watching it, we hit the power button just to have something in the background. You know, you just have the TV on at all times. 
It says it's supposed to last, what, 2,000 hours? I'm probably there in about a week, it seems like. It stays on all the time. So we're guilty of that as well. Peter wants us to build the strong skeleton that supports the spiritual body that we have. And to do that, we have to quit eating the junk foods, the foods that are full of the empty calories and no no nutritional value and begin eating and taking hold of the pure, spiritual, rich milk from the Word of God. Second of all, of how is spiritual success achieved, it's not only based on the diet, but it's based on the desire of a holy people. Years ago, my father was coming home late from from work and, and out with some friends and because of some choices he made, he fell asleep behind the wheel. And he lost control of his car. And it was an amazing event to watch how that car should have had a head-on collision with others, should have been somewhere else, but veered off the road into a dirt parking lot, come back around, and what stopped the vehicle from crossing back on the road, and he's completely asleep, is he hits a telephone pole directly head on. And you could see that the telephone indention came all the way back close to the windshield. So my father was in there completely passed out. And as a result, he went back and forth in the vehicle and it really gashed open his head to the point where in order to save his life, when he had multiple injuries to his liver, his lungs, his knees, his hips, they had to close the hole that was exposed over his forehead. And the way they did that is they had to graft skin from the thigh in order to cover and close that gap. And so then you've got the grafting process that must take place without infection while you're treating all other signs and symptoms and problematic areas. And so that became the process of his healing as we watched that graft take hold. Even though it wasn't the skin that was designed to be there, it was skin that belonged to his body that was placed to cover up that hole. He always had a place missing that was flat. You know, your forehead's rounded, His was flat at a certain place. But the graft took. And the graft gave him life once again. So this is what I want you to think about. And I share this story not to gross you out, but the fact to say this, that you and I must be committed to the grafting process. We must allow that which God gives to us, the new nature of our life that comes from the holiness of God, grafted into the unholiness of who we are, the old self, and we allow that grafting process to take over and to bring new life. And a part of that is the desire that you and I have within us. Not only the diet, but the desire and the design that God has put in place for that successful spiritual life to be achieved. And it's not about the don'ts, it's about the do's. Because the diet of a holy people, yes, are important, but also is the design of the holy people. Peter moves from the internal issue of what we eat to the external nature of how we're built. So as with food, there is something to reject, and then there's something to embrace. And Peter says that we come to the living stone, singular, the one that was rejected by men and accepted by God. And he tells us that when we come to that stone, we then become the living stones, plural. So stones which are built as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood And what a great passage it is that tells us, and first of all, Peter describes Jesus as that living stone. And you remember that it was Peter who made that great statement when Jesus asked him, whom do you say that I am? And he says to to, uh, 
to Jesus back in Caesarea Philippi, he says to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says back to Peter, Petros, the rock, he says, upon this rock, Petros, I will build my church. So Christ is that living stone. But Jesus also was rejected by men. So when Jesus was on the earth, the religious leaders of the day was opposed to him continually and eventually convinced others to join them to crucify him. And Jesus experienced great deal of rejection, great deal of opposition, all during his ministry on earth. And yet finally God used his death on the cross to become the cornerstone of what we would become the church upon the foundation of that which cannot be overtaken, upon the foundation that not even the gates of hell shall overtake it. And that becomes our foundation that unifies us as all believers everywhere as one body that we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus himself, God's only son. So Peter goes on to say, we become the living stones. God grafts into us the living stones that we all become. We cannot become the living stone by ourselves, but it is only because of our attachment, our identification, our belonging, our confession, our belief, our desire to live for a holy God all together as one as a body in Christ and we become the living stones and he grafts into us the new DNA that begins to take over and produces the holy people of God, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, and he creates that holiness within us. So the holiness has nothing to do with, with, about us and about our abilities. And in order to be successful in that holiness of our life, we've got to go back to our diet. What are we taking hold of every day? And that diet has to be pure, unadulterated, spiritual milk so that that desire within us remains. The fire within us remains. The, 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 the putting our life before God remains. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now, when we read that passage of Philippians 3, verse 10, I automatically go, I want to know the power of his resurrection. But we leave out, how does that power of that resurrection come into our life? We want to know that power. And that's great. We can do that. But look at the path in order that leads us to that power. Do you want to know the fellowship of his sufferings? or to be conformed unto his death. Jesus, though was rejected by men, focused on doing God's will. We know that to be so because he said, Father, it's not my will, but thy will be done in the garden of Gethsemane. And that is the same path for us. To find the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we must be willing to endure the rejection of the world, be focused on the will of God in the midst of that rejection, to die to the old nature so that the new nature that's grafted within us will take hold and bring life. That's good. That's wholesome. Years ago, years ago a group called Petra it produced Christian rock. If you want to listen to some music, I used to listen to it going down the highway on an eight-track tape. And then it went to a cassette tape. You know, I had to follow them. When it got the CD, they just disappeared. But anyway, they come out with a song called God Pleaser. And yet, the message of the song was very simple. If you can get by some of the rock and roll that's in the thing, and you listen to the words, do you want to be a man pleaser or a God pleaser? It's clear that you cannot do both. So the desire is this. This is what happens if you and I choose to go another route and choose some other source of our diet 
and choose something other than the pure spiritual milk that is designed for each of us to partake in. If we choose something other than that, then we're going to become a man pleaser. In order to stay as a God pleaser, then our diet has to remain. To be the great spiritual house, to be the great spiritual success in our life, we have to decide who we are building our lives for. If we want to please the world, then we will build for money. We'll build for position. We'll build for prestige, comfort, and ease. And it can come. And it can be in a very selfish way. It can happen. But if we build for God, then we must start with His cornerstone, which is Christ, and everything in the building must line up with the one living stone. And as we follow God's leading, we begin to have spiritual success. And we look into the mirror and we realize that we are giving the title living stones that are holy before God. Why? Because of our diet. And our diet leads to our desires. And it feeds those desires. That doesn't mean that it will always be easy. It's not going to always come naturally. We too will face the share of our own rejection and our own demise from opposition of the world, from sin in our life. We will conduct our business in fair and just ways. We may remain faithful at times to our families, our God, and all that we do. We may be so caught up in the luxuries of life that we leave our focus on God and we realize that those hard decisions lead to bad choices. And then we're back to the question, which are we going to be, the God-pleaser or the man-pleaser? So the diet has something to do that creates the desire. And yet what keeps us focused and keeps us motivated is because of the destination of the holy people. And you and I as have a true diet of of holy people, we have a desire as holy people and we have the destination of a holy people as well in verse six and seven. So that's the, the third point. Paul, I mean, Peter was pointing us to the success by looking inward at our diet, by looking outward the life that we're building and now he points us forward by stressing the finish line of our faith. Like earlier, there is a word of rejection and acceptance here. Peter tells us that those who put their faith in Christ as their cornerstone will not be rejected nor be put to shame. But in fact, he says that God will honor us. And yet this honor or rejection will take place in the final judgment. It will determine our honor or our shame. So how does one know if they'll be honored by God or rejected in shame? Any evangelism strategy will have you eventually answer this question. In your personal opinion, what do you understand what it takes for a person to get to heaven? If you ask any person that, a believer will point you probably, I hope, in the right direction. Unbeliever will probably give you some of these answers. Well, they will look at the scale. Well, God has this big scale, and on one side is the good, and on the bad side, I mean, on the other side is the bad. If the bad tilts the good, then we're going to be rejected. If the good outweighs the bad, then we're going to be honored. That's falsehood. We know it's not in the good things we do. So there is more than good and bad here that gets us to heaven. It has all to do with what the Bible teaches. The ultimate decision on God's acceptance or rejection of a person is tied to their acceptance or rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not our works that will save us, but our relationship with a holy son, the son of God. And our relationship with the holy son is a relationship that is grafted within us and that holiness of God is grafted within us and we become the holy people. Those who know Jesus as their Savior will be welcomed into heaven. Judgment day for the believer is not to be feared. 
Him coming in the clouds is not a, to be feared. It is something to be celebrated with joy and great anticipation that when the trumpet sounds, I'm gone. When the trumpet sounds, we're all together and we realize that we are accepted into the rim of heaven with God. That's joyous. That's not to be feared. But what about this honor from God that Peter mentions? We may be invited to attend a banquet, and I know many of us have, and it may be a key person in the banquet that is being honored. And certain people stand up and they say good things, we hope, about the person who is being honored. And so that becomes a program recognizing achievements of that individual. Well, in this way, we are honoring them. James tells us in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 17, it tells us faith, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, this work has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And think of it this way, preparation leads to production. And when we build our lives around the cornerstone, amongst, around the living stone, so that we become the living stones, Christ will desire the diet and the design of God. And once Jesus becomes the central focus of our life, we will lose the taste of the junk food and we will desire the rich, spiritual, pure milk of God and we will grow in relationship to God and yet we will care less and less about what the world thinks and more about what pleases God. And when the cornerstone is laid, it points us to the destination of the building. If the cornerstone itself is, is self, then it's selfish. But you and I focus upon the cornerstone, the true cornerstone of who he is and life is produced and the Jesus Christ, holy God, is grafted into us so that we become the representation of the holiness of God in everyday life. That had to be the longest sentence I've ever said. And I'm very dizzy right now. If the cornerstone is Jesus, then the life of Christ will begin to be grafted into our life. And if we prepare ourselves through the proper diet and desire, we can expect the power of the Holy Spirit to produce spiritual success in our life. So I bring all this to a close to think about this question. For spiritual success... To be the destination, we must pay attention to the, di the diet as well as the desires of our life. So what is your spiritual destination right now? Are you on the path of rejection or shame? Or are you on the path of acceptance and honor? You can change your destination. You can move from rejection to acceptance. And it's simple by accepting who Jesus Christ is. That he's more than just a man. That he's your personal savior who's ready to take up residence in your life. Will you make him your cornerstone? What about your diet? Are you filling your spiritual life full of junk food? Or are you feasting on that which is rich? God's word. What about your desires? Are you a man pleaser or a God pleaser? Spiritual success is tied to a secure destination, a strong diet, and a sincere desire to please God. And as you do, you understand what it means to be spiritually successful. Holiness within you. So how successful are you in your spiritual life? Again, it's not a question to cause you to run or to feel guilty or to feel shameful. It's a question so that you can consciously make a decision about your spiritual life. If there are things that need to be dealt with, God's not surprised. He's not shocked. He already knows them. He's just waiting for you and I 
to recognize them as unwholesome and to give them up and to give them to him and to say to him, God, I want to live as you have designed me to live. Not my will, but thine be done. So how successful are you in your spiritual life? What are the things that you and I together need to change so that we can represent this great kingdom and these great people who are a holy nation and a royal priesthood. God's waiting. He's waiting for the best. He's waiting for us to begin to understand all the do's so that we understand the success. And he relishes in the fact when we let go of who we are and we grab hold of more of who he is. Or we allow the grafting process through all of the spiritual growth of our life to take hold so that he produces true life. So what will you do today from what you hear and what you understand as a friend of God and as a people belonging to God. Father, I thank you that you allow us to, to think together and to reason over the importance and necessities of what it means to live for you in everyday life, to live for you as, as a holy people, realizing that the holiness that we have has nothing to do with us, but it's all about you. Father, help us to, to see you in all of your glory and all of your power and might, to see you as a savior and friend, to see you as one who is our nutrient to everyday life, that you are the vine and we are the branches who survive from the vine that you are our door, you are our bread, you are our living water, and we cast ourselves before you. And we say we love you, we honor you, we thank you for helping us let go of those don'ts of our life and help us embrace all of the do's. Thank you for your pure spiritual milk that grows us daily. In your name that we pray, amen. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest without you. Every hour I need you 
Listening to a message from Pastor Benji Simmons of Gathering Community Church, located in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. If the message you have just heard has inspired you in any way and you wish to support our ministries, you can do so by sending your generous donations to Gathering Community Church, P.O. Box 1813, Merle's Inlet, South Carolina, 29575. Thank you so much for listening, and may God bless you this week.